You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 11. I think 11. Pretty sure 11. Oh, one one. Uh, one and one makes Double two. hockey sticks. Oh, that's an even better one. There we go. I am Matt O'Leary, co-expert of Eyes on Isles, and I am joined by Mitch Anderson, the other co-expert of Eyes on Isles. Mitch, how you doing? I am good. Uh, Halloween is over, and I don't have any candy in my household, which is fantastic because I just eat it all the time. Uh, it, it's good. I'm glad that it's done. I don't. I don't mind Halloween. I just my dog goes crazy whenever the whenever someone comes to the door. So and Halloween is just awful. Just the dog goes nuts every time, all night long. So the kids barely sleep. So we barely sleep. It's uh, it's a nightmare. It's a whole thing. I have a Halloween hot take, actually. Okay. If <laughs> is that even before possible? Before we get into the hockey. Are you familiar with the film A Nightmare Before Christmas? Quite. The Tim Burton vehicle? Yep. Overrated. Oh. Not a fan. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty hot take. Not that I don't necessarily disagree. It's a fine movie, but you won't see me dressed up as Jack Skellington going all over the place or... I don't know. It's just nope. one of those like emo high school movies, right? Like everyone, oh, it's so ironic that it's it's Christmas, but Halloween, and oh my god. Yeah, the girlfriend wanted to watch that yesterday for Halloween, so that's what we did. And, and you indulged say, her. I did. I was I was good. I behaved, but not a fan. <laughs> it's all right. I I'm okay. I, I'd watch it, but my wife isn't one of those either. She won't. She won't. Doesn't really care to watch it. We've been watching Stranger Things instead. Yes, oh my god, don't spoil anything, anyone, anywhere, we're not done yet. Almost, almost there. God, I love Netflix for that bingeability. It's so great. Netflix is absolutely the best. Mm. All right, we should probably get into the hockey before we go off on a Netflix uh, tangent. So, the Islanders have played three games since we last talked. They played against Minnesota and put together a real clunker. They went to Nashville, and the power play went bananas, and then they beat the Vegas Golden Knights, who had only one loss before playing the Islanders. So two out of three, some good things, some not good. Mitch, what were some of your takeaways? Uh, John Tavares, what's up, mate? Like, <laughs> ridiculous. So the Islanders have scored, what, 16 goals in those three games, right? That's uh, on a pace of five goals a game on average in the last couple of ones. And that's not, a, that's not taking into account the five they did in, in Arizona or against Arizona at home, the five they put up against the Sharks at home, and the four they put up against the, uh, the, the Rangers on the 19th away. Like, they're scoring like crazy right now. I'm a little scared it's going to drop off a cliff because John Tavares can't keep up this pace right now. It's just it's scary. Uh, just like we, we were watching against the, the, the Vegas game, we're like, well, he hasn't scored yet, but he's good for a hat trick. And, and that just that seems to be the case. He's good for... At least two goals in the last couple of games. He he didn't get any against Minnesota, but he still put up. Uh, what is it? He put in his last five games. He has. I can't do math real quick. Nine goals. Nine goals in the last five games. That is unreal. Unbel- that's why he got the first star clearly. But that that's my takeaway from all 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 these games that John Tavares seems to be on pace for a special special year. Yes, I definitely noticed. Uh, the John Tavares, it's hard not to with two hat tricks. <laughs> if you did, go um, back under your rock because, oh, my God. It reminds me of that 
direct TV commercial where it's like we don't have that. So I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you don't have that? Oh, let me get a fill in. It's like there's it's like, hi, I'm whatever and I have direct TV and it's like, you know, a famous person. Oh, and then the same yeah, guy dressed up as that. another character, it's hi, I have cable. So it's like Hi, I'm point per game John Tavares and I have direct TV and then it's like and I'm 2016 John Tavares and I have cable. <laughs> uh, but no, John Tavares seems to officially be back and I like I like this very much so. Uh he's scoring and they're putting up a lot of points. Oh, heck yeah. So again, he's got those 9 goals in 5 games. Absurd. He's on a 103 point pace for the end of the year. Uh, he's only played 12 games, uh, so you're like, well, that's only like a, a sliver of the actual 82-game season. But if you look at not only these 12 games, but his next 12 games throughout his career, w- within that 24-game sample size, you get a pretty clear understanding of where he's going to finish at the end of the year. Because remember, John Tavares usually starts off the year slower, and he picks it up at the beginning, at, at the second half right. of the season. So if this is if, if he's going to pick it up from this... Oh my God! Yeah, we're looking at a hard candidate easily. Art Ross, even. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he can possibly pick it up from this. Piece, I don't know either. But, but my God, uh, maybe the reunion of the underrated and underappreciated <laughs> top line from last year of Anders Lee, John Tavares, and Josh Bailey will cause that. Bailey's back, but, baby. Uh, as the Josh Bailey fanboy, how are we feeling there? Uh, great. Uh, but to me, it's that he could get it done no matter what. He was getting it done on the second line, and now he's still getting it done on the first line. What changed? Nothing. It's, and the first line was still doing well anyways. It just wasn't doing as mm-hmm. well. right? They moved him up by what, – what game did they, they start – they bumped down Eberle? Was it for the Nashville game? It was after – 10 games, so for 11 and 12, so he played on the second line. So that would have been a Nashville game. Uh, and, and I guess that's because Tavares didn't produce anything against Minnesota, um, which, yeah. whatever, that's one game. But he, he got nothing. He was a negative one. He got two shots off. Uh, but if I – I'm just loading it up now just so I can have everything in front of me. Uh, Bovillier scored, Letty scored, and Andres Lee scored. So did Barzell. But, you know, Eberle didn't get – a point on anything. Bailey got a point on the night. So I, I think at that point, when Tavares isn't going and nor is Eberle, they had to change something up. And so they picked up the one guy who was doing so well and did so well last year in Bailey. It just makes sense. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, and are we okay with saying that Bailey was the winger that Josh, uh, that John Tavares needed all along? I, I am not a Josh Bailey hater. I'm not. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not okay. a Josh Bailey hater. I don't love him like you, but hearing that statement, it put my mind just went into like a pretzel form. <laughs> like I, I can't. I still that doesn't that doesn't make sense. I can't say that. No. Well, keep no. in mind, like maybe when it, it is. comes to superstar players, like like Sidney Crosby. They brought in Phil Kessel to play with Sidney Crosby, and it did not work at all. Right. He had to play with Brendan Rust and Connor Sheary. True. So, oh my God! Imagine if it was just Bailey all these years. All you had to do. That's a, that's what I thought you were Josh going Bailey. with, like the Zach Galifianakis math, math game, uh, game gif, 
and you're just kind of trying to figure out like why didn't Capuano do this? What would other seasons have looked at if Capuano had done this? Oh my God, what is happening? The line shuffler machine that he kept firing up <laughs> never put Tavares and Bailey next to each other. That's shocking in itself, but maybe maybe you're right. I don't know. Like crazier things have happened. He's put up what 56 points last year. He's on pace for like 90 points this year. It was just, just insanity. It's pure insanity. But, uh, and Josh Bailey does typically slow down at this at, from here on in. Look, November isn't typically a Josh Bailey month. Um, nor is December by that by that stretch. But he usually picks it up, except for last year. Last year, he was still pretty active in those November, December months, if we remember correctly. So maybe he's figured it out. I don't know what happened. I don't know why it took so long for him to figure it out, but he may have done it. And look, the guy's only 28 years old. He's still young. He just turned 28. Like, happy birthday, Josh Bailey, a month ago. Um the guy is still only 28 years old. He's still in his prime for at least another four years, I would say, right? 32 years old sounds fine before you start sure. going off the cliff, which is sobering for me at 33 years old. Jeez. Um, <laughs> you already peaked in life. How does that feel? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> um, so he's still got a lot of time to, 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 to better even that 56 points. Um. Uh, I, I I don't know. I still have that little seed of doubt where you go, is it going to be him? Because he hasn't done it before. And what happened? It didn't seem like anything really changed aside from the fact they played him with Tavares, which he's done before and only put up 41 points. So it can't be that, can it? I don't know. I I can't definitely say that Bailey is the player that Tavares has needed all along. You would think that it would be a player like Eberly. That's yep. Like that's what the eye test would tell you. That's true. But um, maybe it is. Maybe. Um, but that that's what I'm starting to think. And, and it's not because ba- Eberly is a bad player. It's just maybe it doesn't look. It didn't work with Lad either. And Lad's an okay player. Maybe it was a, a certain um, circumstance and context and and just him coming into the team that it just didn't work out between Ladd and, and Tavares. But it's still, again, it seems that it's not working between him and, and Eberle. And, and they have previous chemistry, although Tavares had said in an interview uh, maybe a month or two after Eberle joined that they didn't actually play a lot of time on ice together, um, which is striking when you right. score 18 points between the two of you. And, it, like, they have... Uh, anyways... I, I, I just, to me, it seems that Bailey is that denominator. Bailey's that guy. And, and again, if you look at Sidney Crosby, he can't play with someone like Phil Kessel, or Phil Kessel can't play with someone like Sidney Crosby. He can play with someone like Malkin, but he can't do it with Crosby. So maybe it's a superstar thing, although I say that fully well realizing that Evgeny Malkin is still a superstar. So I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm talking myself into corners here. Uh, it, just, it just seems that Bailey's the guy. And, and, and maybe a, a, an even better player than Jordan Everly can come in, maybe like a Taylor Hall. That would work even better. But we got what we got, and it's not working, except for when you put Bailey in. So, I don't know. Let's just roll with that. Why not? Yeah, I was a little critical of the move when they put Bailey back on the top line at first. But if it's working, I can't really argue it. And until it's broken, I'll just roll with it, I guess. Yeah, that that's my thinking, right? 
Well, although, and then that's why they moved Eberle down, uh, which we should talk about. Yeah, um, after being sent down to the second line to play along with Barzal and Vlad, he has a couple goals in two games. So He being um, Eberle. He being Eberle, right. Uh, he was also taken off the first power play and put on the second power play. And I thought he looked better on the second power play unit. Yeah, so comments were from the media uh, that Doug White liked giving Jordan Eberle more. God, his picture on NHL.com looks terrible. I know he's got a lazy eye and whatnot, but my God, it looks bad. That's a bad picture of him. you think they'd change that. Bad visual. Yeah, yeah. yeah it doesn't look great. Uh, you two at home, look it up. Go in on Jordan Eberle's NHL.com page and look at the, the banner picture. It's not a great picture of oh. him. And, and again, nope, I know he's got be. a lazy eye. I have one too, so I know. But both aren't lazy, so. Eesh. It looks like it could be a mugshot. <laughs> like a bad yeah. one. But then his, but, all right. his his bust picture looks perfectly fine. He looks great. Yes. Um, so he, they bump him down by the Nashville game, and he comes in two power play goals, I'm going to say. No, he got one power play goal, one regular goal, and an assist for three points. Plus two, four shots on goal. Unreal. Explodes out of the gate. He wasn't able to replicate that against Vegas, but he's averaging about a point a game at this point, right? He's got five points in the last five games. So not about exactly a point a game, which is perfect. That's an 82-game pace looking at that, that, just that five-game sample size. But he's got nine and 12, oh. so he's not too far off either. No, he's still giving you the production, and even when he wasn't scoring, he was still tallying a a decent assist number. I mean, it was just under 50 points. I think he was on pace for 48 points before he scored, and I wrote an article saying that uh, once he does start scoring, which based off his shooting percentage you'd expect it to be soon, that he then goes out and scores two goals in Nashville. I said that it would go over and be in that 50-60 point range where I think everyone expected him to be, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, the pace is a little bit higher now, but it's going to even it out. Yeah. So, like, he's shooting at 6, 6.7% right now, and he's taken 30 shots. So he's usually shooting at 13%, just over 13%. So 30 times 0.13... He should have about four goals at this point. He should. So that, that should pick up. His lowest shooting percentage ever was last year at 9.6. So even assuming he has that, so 30 times 0.096, he should have three goals at this point. So he's, he's clearly underproducing in terms of the goal department. And everyone can see that just in mm-hmm. terms of the, um, just the eye test itself. Uh, but he's going to pick it up. He, it just he's never been this bad in terms of shooting. And again, small sample size. Right? He's got two and twelve. Right. He's gonna pick it up. He's not gonna he's not gonna do Anders Lee 30, 35 goals, but this guy is usually good for twenty goals. He's scored no less than twenty goals in his last five years, sorry, four years. And even then he put up sixteen in a lockout shortened year. So He's going to put him up. It's going to happen. It's just, again, it could be like an Andrew Ladd type thing, right? Where he's taking a while to get adjusted. Yeah, and I'm not worried about it at no. all. I expect him to be in that 20 to 25 goal range at the, at the end of the year. And it's not like they're necessarily 
lacking in the scoring area right now. It's not like they need him to be have, like to have four goals already at this point this year. They can get by with how Tavares is playing, how Nelson and Lee are playing, mm-hmm. and even Barzell. If you want to throw him into the mix, I mean, he's looked better the last couple of games too. Well, he's looked um, great. So, he's just he's putting him in the back of the net. Yeah, exactly. So he's finishing now too, and. Just the Islanders as a whole, they're, they're scoring more goals now. They seem like, maybe not more offensive-minded, but they're they're executing better on offense now. And they don't need Eberle to, I don't know, they need they don't need to look at him as like the savior, as no. opposed as this, to play second fiddle to John Tavares. There's other players who can fill that That's role. That's right. And look, he's, he's already fourth on the team in terms of scoring, Jordan Eberle is. Behind mm-hmm. Tavares, Bailey, and Lee, the top line. That's great. That's great. In terms of depth chart, he fits exactly on, on that second line, right? You're, you're going, okay, well, our top line is producing. Our second line of Eberle, Barzal, and Ladd are doing all right as well. Ladd being the lesser of the three. But that'll pick up. And, and even then, Ladd is doing quite fine for what, he's, what he should be doing at this point. He's scoring about half a point a game. Um, so he's looking like a 40-point player, which I know, I know isn't worth $5.5 million a year. But at this point, considering what he did last season, I'll take 40 points. I'll take it from him, especially because, like you just said, we're getting it from from um, Everly. We're getting it from Nelson. We're getting it from Barzal. So, and not to mention the three on the top line. I'll take 40 points from Andrew Ladd. Yeah, and especially when you think, like, look at the Islanders forwards. To the top, the entire top line, Bailey, Lee, and Tavares, they're blocks for forty plus points. Oh yeah, God yeah. Lad, Lad's probably gonna have forty points. Then you throw Barzal in the mix. He, there's a chance he puts up forty points this year. Nelson, you know, is gonna put up forty points. It's not like the Islanders. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Everly either. That's right. Everly's gonna put up forty, fifty points. Or or so, Letty, for that fact. Letty's going to put up 40 points. So, like, they have guys who are going to produce points. They, they, it's not like they're relying on one person to be your secondary scoring behind Tavares. They have pretty solid depth there. That's right. So, I, I'm okay with that. So, we'll get to this maybe in, in the social section, or we could bring it now, but we'll do it in the social. When it, when it comes to trades, I don't know what the Islanders need necessarily. Right, like obviously, I, I would like another top six forward, but to get one, we have to give, and we and what we have now is good enough that I don't want to give any of that up. So, it, even on defense, may, maybe we can give up like a Hickey or or Dehan just because of their RFA, their UFAs coming up. But the defense is looking pretty good. I don't I don't want to change that either. So at this point, I, I'm not looking to make any trades unless someone comes to me with a. a a flat out amazing offer for any of our players. I'm not. I'm not looking to move anyone. Yeah, I would agree. Unless it's a move that deals one of the draft picks, because right. Islanders have multiple first round draft picks. So if you can acquire somebody with just picks, then yeah, maybe I think about it. And like a a lesser player, not someone who we just mentioned who's on pace for like forty plus points. Yeah, like a Chimera or a Kuliman or something like that. Right. Like I don't know what kind of deal that would uh, be, or what you pack on the package you would get back for that. But I'm not looking to move uh, one of the potential prospects that the Islanders have right now, or I'm not looking to move a secondary piece because right now it, it's it's working. Yeah, 
So I'll just ride it yeah, out. And, and we'll see, again, 12 games in. So we'll see going forward. In my opinion, I, I reserve the right to change my opinion. If the Isles start losing games left, right, and center, and we see a clear flaw. Um, but at, at this point, I don't change anything. That makes it complicated when a lot of these UFAs need re-ups. Uh, we, I don't think we can keep them all unless some of them take some some sort of hometown discount, looking at you, Josh Bailey. Um, but it's not looking great. I, I, it's going to be an interesting summer for Gar Snow in terms of negotiations for contracts. Yeah, that's going to be a huge storyline this summer. Obviously, the Islanders have a lot of free agents that they are going to be looking at. The big one, obviously, Tavares. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, I'm definitely summer when summertime rolls around. That's going to be the number one priority that Isle Switter is talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about some power play though? Now that we're we're, we're done talking about Everly and we're, we're we're seemingly transitioning to unrestricted free agents that we don't have on our running order, but we we can go to free agents or we could talk about the power play. Which one do you want to do? Uh let's do power play because I am actually shocked that the Islanders' power play is at 50% over the last two games. They're 5 for 10 on the power play after an abysmal start. Oh, like, god-awful. Like, Dumpster Fire <laughs> would be... They would be... Dumpster Fires would be offended if you called the Islanders' power play a dumpster fire. That's how bad it was. Yeah, it was not great. Bottom of the league forever. They were... How, how long were they... Uh, it was O for, God, at least 20, maybe 25. I, I forget when they finally scored their first power play goal. I think it was O. F- it might have been 21 or 22, but that, still terrible. Oh, God, awful. Yeah, it was super bad. And it's not fantastic right now, but like we're, we're looking at, at just below the middle of, of the pack at 16.3%. Right? We, we were all the way at the bottom there. The Columbus Blue Jackets are actually at the bottom, and they were killing it last year on the power play. Uh, don't know what happened there. Maybe Sam Gagne, which I pined we should we should have gotten last season, but paying him three point five million dollars a year doesn't make any sense for us. Uh, but but it's it's starting to work. So what changed? What happened? Is it is it Ryan Pullock? Because the guy's got three points on the power play. He's got a goal and two primary assists, which is ridiculous. I think. That's definitely the biggest change. That's definitely, I mean, he's he's a force on the power play. He's someone else that you have to worry about. That 105 mile an hour slap shot, the opposing team, the penalty kill is going to recognize that and adjust. So yeah, it makes a difference when he's out on the ice. Um, I don't know if the Islanders are going to sustain this success that they've had and be in that top 15 power play. I think they'll drop off a little bit, but I definitely think he makes a difference, and the Islanders' power play would be much, much worse if he wasn't out there on the ice. Yeah, I, I tend to think so. I, I, well, no. I, okay. That sounded terrible. Ah, ah, ah. Anyways, Ryan Pollock made a big difference, right? He's, he's already accounted for 43% of, pow- of the Islanders' power play points or power play goals so far alone. Just either the fact that he scored a goal or he got the primary assist on two of them. Put those together out of the seven that they scored so far, and that's 43%. That's crazy. He's had a hand in everything they have done. Um, and I'm trying to find some stats here, but from what I know, it, 20% will get you at the top half of the table. 20% isn't hard for the Islanders. That's one in five, right? One of, a, one of a, every five, they need to convert into a goal. 
that's not hard. That shouldn't be hard for them to do. Um, now, easier said than done because most teams at this point aren't above 10, 20%. There are only 11 teams in the league that have an above 20% power play efficiency with the Ottawa Senators being just below that. And, and keep in mind, the Ottawa Senators were at the bottom with 0% with us for a long time as well. Um, right. So the, the big change for me is not only Pollock, but they've been, they're moving that puck around with at least some sort of urgency where they're able to ply, pry defenders out of position, which they hadn't been doing for the beginning. I don't know why. I don't know what, what, what it is. Maybe it's breakouts. I, I haven't seen that change a lot. Um, they're still doing that super dump that I've, I, I talked about from the beginning. Um, it's just they're, they're, they're able to bounce that puck around and create openings for themselves, and they're taking them, and they're scoring on those openings. Yeah, it, they definitely move the puck more. I've noticed, um, which is a key factor on the power play. Yeah. You want to spread out the defenders when you have a man advantage, make them work, make them skate. But for whatever reason, the Islanders struggled doing that earlier on, and now they've gotten better. Maybe it's because they've practiced it every single day because it was so Maybe. bad. Um, but I'm happy with how it looks for now. Um, like I said, I don't see this success uh being sustainable but for now satisfied yeah i i think it's sustainable i really do i don't i don't think they're going to score three or two power play goals a night but at 16 percent, that's less than one in there out of every five so i i really do think that that's sustainable i think they could get to that 20 percent. and and keep in mind they were a point out of a playoff position last season and they had a 15 percent power play efficiency they're already a point uh, 1.3 percent above what they were doing last season and they're only going to get better from there, I think. I think they're going to sit at that 20% range. Which My prediction for end of season is the Islanders have a 18% to 20% power play efficiency. I would take that, obviously. I would You'd want to take that, but do you think it's going to happen? No, nah. I don't think so. That's where we disagree. Right. I think it's going to be about the I, same. I think they do. They got the firepower, so why couldn't they? How, can, how could they be more productive on five on five than the power play although i say that and they were clearly doing that last season it's just you you would think with the firepower that they have that they can translate that especially with the dedicated resources that they're being given to figure out when it's not working in the power play what can they change it's not just doug wait making all the decisions or where all the decisions are having to go through they now have another two resources that can dedicate their full capacity to dealing with the power play and i think that'll help a lot Hopefully. Hopefully it does, because <laughs> that's crossed. definitely something that they could turn around. Fingers, toes, anything you got, cross them, and hope for the best yeah. down the stretch. I uh, want to get into our big topic of the week, the good and the bad of Garth Snow were on display in just one single that's week. Right. Mitch, you wrote the article on this one, so do you want to take the lead yeah. here? Okay, so the we'll talk about the good and the bad. And uh, well, I guess the ugly is his beard. Let's just go with that. I'm sorry, Garth. I hate your beard. I really do. You're not a beard guy. Maybe if he grows it out like Marc Belchavain did for the Habs, like Jordy Ben styles, maybe it'll look good. But at the moment, I don't like your beard, Garth. Just, just shave it off. You look a lot better without that beard. So that's the ugly. Um, is Garth Snow's beard. The good was the Eberle trade. And we knew that when the trade was made, that this is clearly going to benefit the Islanders more than it is the Edmonton Oilers. Um, 
I don't know what the Edmonton Oilers saw in, in, in Ryan Strome and why they felt they can do this. Clearly the cap space, right? Ryan Strome was on 2.5, if I'm not mistaken, a year. And Eberle is clearly on 6 million. Um, so already they're saving a ton of cap space. And Eberle is not going to... Strom is done this year, so they could just say, like, peace out, see you later, buddy. Although I think he's still RFA, so probably not. I don't think they'll just let him walk. No, but I do think it's funny that the articles that are coming out of Edmonton that's like, you need to get Conor McDavid help, and then it's like, the memes are like, life comes at you fast, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> Oilers trade, uh, Eberly for Ryan Strom, and then it talks about the Hall trade, and... It's just funny because that's like the one GM Garth Snow can get every time. Every time, no matter what. And, and, and that's just it. That's the good is that not only was he able to get Eberle out of it, but he was able to, to send Ryan Strom over, and Edmonton isn't happy with Ryan Strom's production, which, to be fair, and, and like I wrote, is on point. Like, he's not doing anything—sorry, I didn't say on point. I said as advertised because if you look at his last two seasons, Ryan Strom is producing at a .4 points per game pace. And that's exactly what he's doing already. In 10 games so far this season, he's got four points. So he's on pace for 35, 38 points, I think that is, over the course of an 82-game season. So assuming he's not scratched or sent down to the AHL for conditioning, uh, actually, he couldn't do that. He would have to go through waivers, and someone would definitely pick him up. Um, He's going to hit that. So wait, 0.4 times, I'm going to do it now, times 82 is 33 points. He's on pace for that which is around what he was doing last year. He did 30 points last season. He missed a few games, and he did 28 the season before that. So he's, he's as advertised. He's not the 50-point player, but the Islanders traded him because they knew he wasn't going to be that 50-point player. So if you, Peter Chiarelli, picked him up thinking, maybe we'll get a 50-point player out of him, you were sorely, sorely mistaken, and Garcino won today handedly. Handedly. Do you think Shirelli calls Garth Snow ever oh, again? Oh, okay. So I, I wrote about this again today, and maybe this is what you're alluding to, is that the Toronto Suns writer is Steve Simmons, everyone's favorite writer out of Toronto, especially Phil Kessel's. Phil Kessel loves Steve Simmons. Um, wrote something today. It was like, I don't know what he was doing. It just seemed like his random thoughts about Canadian sports or Toronto sports because he's writing about the CFL, about Major League Baseball. I think he was even doing boxing at one point. Anyways, he was all over the place. Um, and then he starts talking about the NHL. And he says that Peter Chiarelli should call John, uh, Garth Snow. He's going to call him John Snow. Uh, winter is coming, Garth. Uh, should call <laughs> Garth Snow and inquire about the availability in a trade for Josh Hosang. And immediately I'm like, well, first off, like you said, there is no way that Peter Chiarelli is calling Garth Snow. After the Griffin Reinhardt trade and now the Jordan Eberlin trade, or Eberlin, Eberle trade, there's no way. Why would he? Why? No. Well, it's a fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Shame, shame on me again. Is, <laughs> shame on me. Whatever it is. Shame on you, shame on me. If you call him three times, you're just an idiot. That's the new Well, phrase. if you call him three times and lose decisively you're an idiot but if you call him the third time and you strike a deal that that, that is balanced fine but he can't get it done and and even like like i alluded to before what is what is edmonton going to give us that we could use a defender 
sorry, but they don't have any defenders that they're not only going to be good for us, but that they're going to be willing to give up. Like, are you going to give us Oscar Clefbaum? No. All right. Sorry. Darnell Nurse? No. Okay. Well, then forget about it. And we don't need Larson. Forget about that. So you're going to give us a forward. Okay. What forward? McDavid's not going anywhere. Obviously, Drysaddle's not going anywhere either. So who's up for play? Milan Lucic? No, thanks. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Okay, but he's got a $6 million cap hit over the next four years. So to make that work, Ugh. we have on the cap, we only have, I think it is, I had it up open a second ago. I think it's just $2.3 million in space right now. Sorry, 2.673 in terms of cap space at the moment. So we have to trade off more than $3 million. Uh, my math is really bad. I'm sorry. 2.673, 3.3 million that we have to clear off the books. So we have to give up at least more than Josh Bailey. Uh, Kuhlman. Who's, Kuhlman for Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> Who says no? <laughs> Probably not Peter Chiarelli. <laughs> you never know. He accepted Jordan Everly for yeah, Ryan There's Strong a 50 50 up, chance so. that that could happen. Garth Snow, we know you're listening. Get Shirelli on the yeah. horn right this minute, and you say, I have a great grinder for you. Plug him right up next to uh, McDavid. He's going to put up points. He'll clear out the way for him. But And in return, we get Ryan Nugent so Hopkins. So that's Joshua saying Nikolai Kuhleman for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. No, 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 just cool. Well, no, that, that's the whole point of the trade, though. <laughs> that's the only reason we're talking oh, okay. about this. No, I don't want to. Is Joshua saying okay. is going to Edmonton? No, I don't like there it. There you nope. go. I'm, I'm, good. I'm jumping in. I, I, I it, would. It, I'd entertain it, especially if they're just going to keep him in the AHL. Hey, but the, that's the whole point. Is I don't think that Garsnow does it on two fronts. Well, sorry. I don't think this, hap- this trade happens on two fronts. One, like you said, I don't think Shirelli is calling Garsnow anytime for anything. Um, Garth might be calling him. But Shirelli is not calling Snow. And two, I don't think Snow trades saying. I think at this point he's like, at worst, I got a guy that I can bring up next season and it's going to put me up 40, 50 points. Or I can bring up this season. I, they have a good prospect, rookie, whatever you want to call him, in Joshua saying They're not going to trade him. And, and, and for, for, for what? What do they need to add? Top six forward? I suppose. But now you're getting into some serious cap trouble if you're bringing in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. There's not a lot of left, money left over for John Tavares. So that means when those, when those mm. UFAs come to re-sign, like your Baileys, uh, like your Chimera, well, I mean not Chimera, like your Baileys and your Dehans and your Hickeys, you're not going to have enough space to sign Tavares to a $10, $12 million salary. You could let them all walk and then just call yeah. up prospects on the cheap. Or you, you definitely have room to sign Tavares, but forget Bailey, forget... Uh, Chimera, obviously, but who cares about he's gone anyways. Um, Prince, Quine. Kuhleman. Uh, yeah, Kuhleman's definitely gone. Halak's definitely gone. Um, so, like, it, I, I can see how it could potentially be done, but there's a skeleton crew after that. Yeah, it's a stretch. Yeah. I definitely, th- the bottom line is we were getting to that the idea was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Um, so that's the good, the Eberle-Strom trade, because Strom is almost going to be run out of town at Edmonton. Um, and the good is Ryan Pul- or sorry, the bad, the bad is Ryan Pulak. Uh, not himself, but the fact that Garth didn't call him up last year when we could have used him. So we all knew that Ryan Pulak was this power play quarterback, power play, not only specialist, but just really good on the power play. Uh, 
And our power play stunk last season. We ranked 28th in the league with a 15% efficiency. And we missed the playoffs by a single point. How many points do you think we could have picked up with a Ryan Pulak power play? At least one. At least one somewhere. The guy has already put up three power play points. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely would have made a difference. That's the frustrating part. I didn't get it at all last year. The fact that he only played one game. I understand when he did his rehab assignment in the AHL. I just thought eventually when he was healthy, we would see him again. And we never did. And then at the start of this year, it was impossible for him to get into the lineup. He couldn't buy himself into the lineup. Um, and to see him produce now, as I'm happy that he's producing offensively for the Islanders, it's frustrating in its own right just because you could have had this last year and you just ignored it. You let him rot in Bridgeport. That's right. And like, he, he did really well in Bridgeport, and that's why we wanted him. But like the, the defensive core was no different last season. We had Mayfield scratch most games. Adam Pellick was playing. Hickey, DeHaan, Letty, Boychuk, they're all there. Same thing for Seidenberg. And guess what? Seidenberg wasn't a whole lot younger last year. He was just a year younger. And at the tail end of the season, he started dipping off. The, 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 the time started adding up for him. And that was a time to bench him and bring up a guy like Pulak to settle into the roster and get a few licks out and maybe, and maybe get a few power play points and push us over the edge and at least get us in the playoffs. So that's, that's the bad because that's something that Snow could have changed but didn't. And, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty that maybe they saw something in him in his defensive game and they're only forced to use him now because their power play was so, so, so bad. Um, but it, it just makes you think of what could have been. Right, and that's the mystery that we will never know the answer to. And definitely frustrating. Yes. Um, I think that's the perfect word to describe it. Um, frustrated that they didn't call on him last year. Frustrated that it was so hard for him to get into the lineup this year. But overall now happy that he is in the lineup producing, giving you that power play presence, and the power play is responding much better. So Yeah. The pot, the bad can be turned into the good eventually. once you play them. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. It, it's just funny that he gets the harder thing right, the trade. It's harder to get a trade done right and win a trade. But he got the easier thing, which is calling up a player he already had on his roster wrong. That's the frustrating part. It's the harder thing he got right, the easier thing he got wrong. But like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, actually, I said that. But... Um, Looking at it now, at least he's doing what he's doing now, and at least he's helping us now. And maybe if we don't get, and maybe if we did get to the playoffs last season, we don't trade for Jordan Eberle because Snow doesn't feel any pressure to do anything because he still made the playoffs. So you never know. Right, and that's the mystery. The mysteries. All right. Anything else on the good and the bad of Garth? No, it's just it's going to continue forever and ever. Amen. Um, that's just the kind of GM he is. It's just hopefully those frustrating periods grow shorter and shorter, and you know we we get more success. But I I don't know. There's thirty there's thirty one teams in the league now, so it's harder even it's even harder now. Wishful thinking <laughs> there, yeah, Mitch. Agreed. All right. Want to move on to the social segment? Yes. All right, so uh, for the social section, we should probably start with what everyone's going to want to hear yep, about. That's uh, definitely on everyone's lips, to be fair. And yeah, that's uh, whew, that was a rough one. Uh, we 
kind of got into it with Calvin DeHaan on Twitter. And I figured we should start with the backstory of what we were doing or trying to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, we started a little thing with DeHaan a couple weeks ago. We thought it'd be funny to have a back and forth with him on Twitter. Maybe just throw some playful digs back and forth along the way. But sometimes in writing, the tone of what you're trying to convey doesn't always come across right. And we obviously took it too far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he snapped back at us defending himself, which he had every right to do, obviously. Absolutely. Um, he commented on our lack of reporting and media credentials. <laughs> Dude, that was, which... that was a good one. It, it, it didn't sting, but it, that was, that, well, it kind of stung a bit, but it was a good one. It's yeah, fair. Absolutely. It, it's completely yeah, sure. fair. But I do have this to say on his response back. Uh, our shtick isn't for everybody. We admit that, uh, which we understand. But pretending to be reporters, that's not really what we're looking to do. Um we're the only site that provides Islanders coverage 365 days a year. Uh, if we think of our stuff more as extensions of the fans, I don't, we don't necessarily look at each other like media members, quote-unquote. I just don't think that's who we are. We're not in the business of reporting news. No. That's what, that's what Staple and Compton are for, and they do a great job at it. Let, let them handle that. Yeah, and and that's not and what Rob and Graziano like. The, 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 I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to touch their turf. They're better at it than I'll ever be. Right, and that's not what people are coming to us for. We give opinions, we comment on the big stories, and we provide outside the box thinking when it comes to the coverage on our website. Um, we're sorry that it got to this point. We never intended it to be malicious, but that's clearly how it looks. Yeah, uh, yeah, we actually we we actually like Calvin DeHaan a lot. I know over the summer I wrote about the top Isles Twitter's personality, and he was number one on the list for a obvious, reason. Obvious reasons. He, obvious reasons. He's number one on the list. Um, I also wrote how I thought he deserved a better contract offer after a career year. Uh, DeHaan's a steady kind of player you can plug into your second pairing and forget about, and that's not an easy thing to find. Uh, regardless, we won't be doing it anymore. No. And re- we realize it came off as unprofessional. And for that, we apologize. Yes. We're very sorry. It, again, it's, it got out of hand. It was completely on us. Um, we, we went too far with where we were going and it, it, it wasn't doing what we were trying to do. Uh, and we failed in that regard. And it was completely unprofessional. And we're incredibly sorry about that. Yeah, that's not that wasn't our intentions at so all. So sorry to you, uh, the the readers, the listeners. Sorry to you guys who write for Eyes on Isles. Sorry to all of us. Sorry to Calvin DeHaan. He didn't deserve any of this whatsoever. He's just doing his job, and we're there throwing shtick at him for no reason, um, just because we think it'd be funny. So apologies to all all those involved. It was something that shouldn't happen, and will never happen again. Right, and I just wanted to do one one more thing yeah. on this uh, with with the media comment. Okay. Um, I look at our website. I look at the podcast as just two guys. When it's me and you talking, just two guys talking hockey. We want to be relatable when you're reading. We're more for your entertainment. You're not 
going to us to see breaking news. And that's not what I want to be with this website. I don't want to pretend to be a reporter. That's not who I am. I, I know that. I'm pretty self-aware. <laughs> in, my, in my writing, I write sarcastically. That's my tone. I just I want to be relatable. I want when something big happens, I want you to think I wonder what the Eyes and Isles guys think of what happened. Yeah. Or just it's just an outlet fans can go and either vent their frustrations or just read stuff like how other fans think. That's the point of the website. We're not going to pretend to be something that we're not. So, that's just all I wanted to say on that. Good job by you on that. Fair, Fair enough. enough. I, th- I think we're All good right. at that. Let's, uh, let's, let's go through that because uh, we're still getting likes and retweets from Don's responses. So you know, let's not feed it more fire because yeah. it's fun. It, it wasn't a lot of fun, but it, it's fun to see people getting in on, on what Don had to, to respond to us. So good on him for, for sticking up for himself and coming up with a good, a good zinger, a good zinger or two. All right. So yesterday was Halloween obviously, as we were recording this on Wednesday, November 1st. And the Islanders put out a video, and it was guys saying their favorite candies, what they dressed up for Halloween as, and just some other stuff. And I have have some personal – I took personal offense to something that was in that video. (laughs) How did you – okay. The harmless PR video offended you. You're going to have to explain yourself to me. I – Cal Clutterbug okay. said that Snickers is an overrated candy. Okay. That sn- – Mitch, I, how are you not having a bigger reaction? You just said okay. Do you own shares it's, in Snickers? No, I love Snickers. I like Snickers, sure. It's just candy though. He, oh, he did have a good – he said Reese's Peanut Butter Cups as one of his favorites. So I'll, I'll give him that. That's a solid one. I'm not – did you watch the video? I'm not even sure what Beauvillier said for his favorite. He might have said anything but chocolate or some other kind of French chocolate that I couldn't understand what he was I, saying. He said something chocolate. No, I, I couldn't make it out. Let me – vamp for me and I, and I will try to listen to it again to see what he says. But I'm pretty sure he just said um, just chocolate. But I'll, I'll listen to it again. Did he say – he said, "Just chalk." I can't understand what this kid is saying half the time. <laughs> just when, whenever he talks, like I just look at him. I just think he's like, he's a kid. He's younger than me. I think he's just like. I look at him and like, you're adorable. I don't know what you're saying, but just the, the look in his how he talks, and I don't know. I just can't understand him. It, it, it's funny. Um, but the Clutterbuck one that shook me to my core. I couldn't believe he would. I don't understand why you don't like why you like Snickers so much. Like it's just it, it's a good it's just Snickers it's good candy. Um, another one from Clutterbuck, which was good. Uh, they asked favorite costume, and he said that he dressed up as the Tin Man, and it was out of a old bridesmaid's dress what? or an old bride dress. How does that even work? Do you just like spray it with with aluminum foil? Is that even a thing? Can you do that? I don't know, but that that's. Created. Bridesmaid had, uh, dress. Sorry. I guess that's possible. I just understood. He just said anything with chocolate, Bovillier said. He said anything with that's chocolate? That's what I got out of it. I. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it as the Canadian out of the All right. Fair enough. You're the translator. Um, so there is one more. What oh. is your favorite chocolate? We, we, we'll, we'll go over a little bit here. What is your favorite chocolate outside of Snickers? 
Like, do you go to houses and say, you didn't give me Snickers? Take this Mars back. Give me some Snickers. No, I think if someone – I will say this. If someone gives you a crunch bar or if someone gives you Butterfingers, you should have the right to throw the candy what back at them. What is wrong with you? Those are garbage. Those, those, are, those are both amazing <laughs> chocolate bars. They're not my favorite, but those are amazing. No. It, Milky Way is what? up there. I, Crispy Crunch you all don't like the way. Milky. Crispy Crunch all the way. No, Milky Way is fine, I guess, if you're, like, super basic and bland. It's just milk I chocolate. also like Three Musketeers. I know everyone hates that they was hating on the Three Musketeers. Oh, Nougat is my, my jam. Uh, being on the Three Musketeers. Um, what else, chocolate-wise, do we like? I'll just take a plain Hershey bar. Yeah, yeah. Classic, easy, can't mess it go. up. Fair enough, I guess, except for your hatred for anything that's not Snickers or... Or your hatred of Butterfingers, my God, or Crunch Bar. Crunch Bar's amazing. Something's uh, wrong with it. You probably like no. candy corn and It's as got well. like... I don't hate oh, it. Oh, what is wrong? Oh, my God. I'm not that looking for candy corn. automatically on the hate list. The second you get candy corn, that goes in the garbage, as you say. No. The worst is you go to the houses that give you pennies. <laughs> we don't have pennies in Canada or... anymore, so if anyone does that, they're getting it right back. This outdated currency I, of yours. A, young, young, a young Matt O'Leary, before he got into the blog game, would go around trick-or-treating, right? And you'd, every year there'd be these those old folks who they'd drop in like three pennies. What? What is – what's the matter with you? Was it, Why are you giving kids, five, six-year-olds, three pennies? Like, Terrible. Terrible. That Myrtle, really what are you me. giving those kids for Halloween this year? Oh, I thought I'd give him a roll penny jar. Got to make room for that vase. I'd like to put some more flowers on the table. Like, is that their, their train of thought? Because that sounds ridiculous to me. I'm going to give them three pennies. Three pennies gets you nothing anywhere ever. Well, maybe not ever. Sorry. 1920 might get you some candy at the corner store. But before that, it gets you nothing. Right. Um, obviously, since we disagree on the candy, yes. I have a question for you, and then I'll answer okay. it. <laughs> What was your for for me? Because I don't okay. want to answer it too. But uh, what was the favorite thing? Your favorite thing that you ever dressed up as? My best Halloween costume. Oh, um, it's gonna be my God. I think it's gonna be a werewolf. Um, be, okay. and it sounds basic, but the story behind my werewolf costume is my dad put so much product in the hair of, of the mask that I had that it got him nauseous. <laughs> he had to take like we were in the car driving back from scouts and he ha- i had to have the windows both rolled down and when he got home he got sick because he was so nauseous from like all the hairspray that was in the mask amazing <laughs> that's my favorite costume other than that i used to be like skeletons or ninja that was it okay i went through a phase and keep you're keep in mind uh, you're not a Mets fan, so you probably won't understand this. And for me as a kid in the early 2000s, Mike Piazza was a god. Oh, I get so that. I, I was, can understand that. I think I was Mike Piazza like three or four years in a row. Um, loved him. And I dressed up as that almost probably like for a solid three years in the early so 2000s. So painted on handlebar mustache or fake handlebar mustache? Yep. 
Oh, painted on. I could hang. Hold the phone. I could show you a picture. Not that any of the other. Oh, it's going. If you're sending it to it, me, this but... is going up on on social media. So, uh, beware. Oh, I'll do it. I don't. I do not. I have no cares okay. in the world. I will send it. I will send it to you after the show, so we can actually have some good radio back yes. and forth right now. Because me saying, "Oh, I'm going to show you a picture," and then you laughing makes at no it good radio. Isn't good for the listener, um, right? So I, I wanted to bring up one last thing. Are we done with the Halloween talk? Because we're, we're kind of going over. Yeah, we could be. Um, last we're episode, done. I put out a call to arms to our, 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 our all of you people listening to us uh, using Isles, hashtag Isles Pod to give us suggestions for a Hosang trade. If you had to trade Hosang, where would you go send him and what would you try to get? We got one answer from Chris Esturo. So at Chris Esturo. And he said the remainder of Drew Doughty's contract might sway him to trade Hosang. So that's how high he values Josh Hosang, that he's willing, that he, he's looking to get Drew Doughty out of it. Um, I, I don't know if I do the same, but what, what do you say about that? How do you value Hosang? I value him pretty highly. Uh, there's not real. I don't know if there's really any. I guess there's some, but I don't. I don't really feel comfortable putting him in any package. It'd have to be something like extraordinary that you're getting back in return for him. Um, so I, I guess the main point of this, I, I value Hosang extremely high. I'd be extremely apprehensive to move him, unless it's the right deal. What that would be, I don't know. But doubt for Dowdy, I don't necessarily know if I would do that. Yeah. No, I feel you. Um, anyways, I. I so again, come at us with, with any any trade proposals you have for Joshua saying. Use the hashtag IslesPod, and we'll we'll roll them up either in an article or we'll just bring them up back on the podcast um, to, to talk it over. Because it's not that we want Hosang gone. It's not that we think that they should trade him. It's just because Steve Simmons is bringing it up. It seems that something what is it, it, it seems that it is something that people want to talk about. Um, and it's not even just to see what we could get for him. It's just to see how he values. What people think he's worth in that trade market. It's, it's interesting to see. Sorry, I'm burping. I just had a beer and I'm burping. It's unbelievable. Nice. See? Like I said, two guys just sitting back <laughs> talking hockey. Very casual. Very cash. Um, do you have anything else you want to add, buddy? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covered everything that I wanted to go over. I know we ran a little bit long this yeah. episode, but I think it was a good one. It yeah. was a lot of fun. We had an important, important announcement to make at one point, so it's okay yeah, to go over. A little PSA. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, so everyone, make sure to go to the website and read everything that we've put up millions and millions and millions of times. Or, you know, maybe just once. Uh, that's eyesonisles.com. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at eyesonislesfs. Uh, follow each of us individually on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at TLO Mitch, And his is? Matt O'Leary NY. There you go. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. So leave us a five-star or one-star or as many stars as you want. Leave a review, either positive or negative. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you want to do, the review helps. And have yourselves a good week. And is Thanksgiving coming up soon for you guys? Uh, we guys still got like two or three more weeks. Oh, okay, fine. For that. Whatever. We've already had it, so it's old news to me. Old news. Can- Canada must be fun having it in October. It's always I a good like time. That. Uh, so, Matt, have yourself a good week, buddy. We'll be chatting soon. And all to you guys, have a good week. Have a good week, everyone.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.